previously on Myth Takes. While you are there, you are going to find a contact. And then you must ask him one question. And that question is, sir? At what time does the crow fly? If he give you wrong answer, you kill him. I got here a day ago, and so I don't really know where to go right now. At night, I break into kitchens at restaurants and stuff when they're all shut down and try and cook things. I uh, started, you know, poking around and seeing and just sort of started with tasting things that people already had in their kitchen that was prepped before and like looking around and trying to find recipes. But now I'm getting more daring. So I'm doing like sea salt egg roasted quail with a chocolate balsamic gravy and... Oh my gosh. I've got some, some some bad news, and I feel as if you're going to want to sit down. I'm not your contact. Your contact is... Well, he's, he's kind of... Um... Missing? Missing. Y- yeah, that's probably... Well, I mean, he's... He, to be honest, he's, he's probably dead, but... He, he's, um... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's... He he gone. Well, first I take a step back, because what the hell? <laughs> Much closer to you, another shriek. And uh, it is essentially responding to the first sound that you hear. As you hear that, you then hear a third one, much further back. And then you hear another one, and it's much higher up on the mountain. So you are starting to hear these shrieks coming from all over. Um, some are close, some are far. The sun is getting lower and lower and lower. I need to go figure out what this is. Hi, uh, is this the Holtman residence? Uh, my name's Buck Harrison. I'm from the FBI and I flash a badge. And I'm investigating the recent disappearance of uh, two teenagers in the area. And then you hear a shriek. Um, and it is uh, kind of just on the edge of town. You suddenly hear the door unlock yeah and the man says okay look if you're gonna if you're gonna come in you got you gotta come in right now yeah okay i go inside you hear the sound of a cigarette kind of having like a deep uh, drag on it and you hear i wouldn't do that if i were you in fact i would stay right there it's dangerous to move after dark And welcome to Myth Takes. I'm Colin Parker, and I'm joined by uh, my fellow guests, Naomi, hello. Hello. Michael, hello. Hello. Alex, hello. Hi. Lindsay, hello. Hello. You see, that time I did everything in reverse order. Yes, Michael, <laughs> point of order. You have something to say. I I just want to put out there that uh, when Colin was doing the introductions, he actually he looked at everybody, even the people who aren't in the room. <laughs> I imagine that everyone is sitting at my table, 
And so I'm slowly working my way around it. I'm a you guys didn't know learner. that we were astral projecting there? Because I am. Yeah. I don't know about it. All right, Dr. Strange. This is a show about magic and monsters. I can't imagine that someone's here. It's improv, baby. That's showbiz. All right. We are back into the mystery. We're popping back in. And we're going to pop back in right where we left off. Vera, you were just outside in the woods and you, you know, were kind of investigating the mystery, the all the foreign sounds around you. Um, when you heard the sound of a cigarette having a heavy drag taken from it, and then uh, the voice spoke to you, uh, I did not write down what he said, So, I, and I'm, but I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of, um, that's... I, w- I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yep, and then he said, uh, it's not safe to move after dark. That's right. Um, and so you, and so that's basically the last thing that we saw, right? We come back up and it is you just sort of frozen, not like literally frozen, but just sort of stopped hovering, not hovering. Can I ask a question? Yes. So if I heard him take a drag from his cigarette, Mm -hmm. is he really close to me? He is very close to you. Oh, okay. All right. He is in fact above you. Mm. He is currently sitting in a tree branch. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, he's sort of looking down at you, and it's very dark now, right? Because because we're in the woods, the moon doesn't light up the area as well as it does out on the snow banks. There is still snow there, so what little light that is getting in is still sort of reflecting a bit. Um. So you can't really see much of this of this person. What you do see is his body, which is honestly rather large. Not like heavy set necessarily, just abnormally big. There is uh, a tiny bit of a gut on him, right? But um, not like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to describe it just by looking at shadows. Um, and you can't see much of his face. That is the thing that's sort of being the most concealed here. Um, but what you do notice are his eyes, because his eyes are extremely bright, and they are looking down on you. They are bright green, and they do not look like a normal human being's eyes. What do you do? Well, he told me not to move, but I will talk back, and I will say, what makes you say that? There's a small pause, and he takes another drag on the cigarette. If only you could have seen the things I have seen. It is, uh, how you say, very bad here. It takes one, one, like, kind of small hit of the cigarette. This time not as deep. And then he says, It is, uh, not common how often uh, this menace is here, but, uh, when it is, uh, things do not go well. Well, the menace doesn't belong here, so are we just not going to do anything about He sits there for a second and kind of thinks on that and says, That is a, this is a tough one, no? They were here before we were. They just stay hidden like a shadow in the night. But what are they? Hmm. That is a good question. 
There is a lot to talk about. He sits there for a second and you see him sort of perk up a little bit, right? You know, he kind of shifts a little bit and kind of looks around and he says, For the time being, we are safe. They have moved on. Come, follow me. I will tell you all I know. And uh, he hops down. And standing in front of you is the strangest creature that you think you've seen. Now, you have seen some other cryptids and such before, right? We've talked about you've met druids. You've clearly met some other species. But this is something entirely different. And we'll describe what that is when we come back. (laughs) Now, um, Buck, you were just pulled in to the the Holtner household. They are, you know, sort of once again arguing. Um, the man is speaking to his wife. You heard him describe her as Francis um, earlier, and you know she's yes. telling him, you know, like that. You know, she's not necessarily approving that she, that you know that you were brought into the house. To which he's sort of, you know, mumbling to her like, you know, he's the freaking FBI. Like, you know, I don't know what you want from me. And so they're kind of going back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. But you are now standing in the front hallway. Of this tiny little home in this tiny little snow-ridden town. Yes. What do you do? Well, I've already introduced myself. And if you go by the, um, what was it? Uh, this, oh, shoot. What was his name from Princess Diaries? The something Montoya. Like the kind of. Montoya? Yeah. Like the, like the. <laughs> Princess Bride. The, the, the introduction yeah. kind of like, this is my name. This is what I do. <laughs> the, here are the expectations kind of like I've already introduced <laughs> myself. So now I need to actually go into what I'm actually saying. Right. So, so as I, as, so as I said before, I'm from the FBI and I'm investigating uh, the recent disappearance of two teenagers in the area. Um, as, uh, as I mentioned, I was informed that uh, your son had seen what had happened and I wanted to talk to him about what he had seen. Um, the mother, Francis, says, well, Trevor doesn't really speak to anybody right now. Trevor has had a very rough time, and frankly, I would really appreciate it if you just let him be. I I understand that there have been strange things going on recently. I've been, honestly, I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen, I've seen some things that either, well, you you probably wouldn't believe, or maybe you would given the circumstances. Um, and I'm probably the only person right now who could probably relate to what he's, what he's going through right now. Your son was the last person who could have seen these two kids alive and the only person right now who can help make sure this doesn't happen again. So. Um, so uh, you are, you know, saying all this. Mm-hmm. And before the mother can... Um, say anything the father pipes in and says look i uh i don't know how much you're gonna trust what he says though he he says that he saw well a monster and truthfully that's well those don't exist so I don't know what they were getting themselves into. I think it's possible that maybe, um, you know, that that Jonathan Hoffman down the street may have given him some some bad drugs or something and they just hallucinated. I don't know what. We'll get to that part later when he finally kind of 
comes down or whatever stops freaking out. But I mean, look, sir, I, I don't mean to take up your time. I'm sure you want to talk to him, but he's not making a lot of sense. I mean, there's no such thing as monsters. Well, sir, again, I've been doing this a long time. I've seen things that I've seen things that you would not believe. If to to be honest, is probably the most credible person in the room. Um, and before either of them can then respond to that, you hear uh, behind you on the the steps, you know, because again, they're kind of a little bit further into the hallway. You're talking yeah. to them. The steps are a little bit to your right there. And at the top of the steps is their son, Trevor Holtner. And he's standing there just sort of staring at you. Yeah. He's not really saying anything, but he's not staring at you like in that way of like, Oh, I'm going to murder you. This is like straight up, like just terror in his eyes, wide eyed, um, very similar look and appearance. Like, you know, uh, like, uh, as far as like the look on his face goes to the gentleman that Mikhail, um, just spoke to on the top of the, um, the, the mountain there. Right. Obviously they're they're not related. Yes. I mean, literally it's just like that, like look of fright, that, that fear. It is the same fear. Yeah. Um, and he's just sort of staring at you. Okay. Um, and he very slowly just sort of like raises a hand, kind of like, um, hi, kind of, you know, like it's that, like, it's very slow to come up, but it's, it's there just sort of greeting very gently. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you do? Well, I greet him very gently because he's in a very frightened state. And, you know, you don't want to, like, be, hey, how you doing? Because I'd probably send him <laughs> upstairs. Hi, Mr. Holtner. Um, my name is Buck Harrison. I'm from the FBI. I've heard that there's been some interesting things going going on recently. And I wanted to talk to you to get your side of things. Um, he sits there for a second and then he kind of looks down at his parents who are now looking up the steps as well at him, kind of very curious as to what he will do. And he slowly nods his head and kind of like gives you a little bit of like a up here sort of situation. Yeah. And then wanders down the hall towards his his bedroom. Um, Do you follow him? I look to his parents to see if that's okay first. Um, You know, the mother is is uh, okay. Right. The mother is upset, but she's, you know, kind of like, oh my gosh, whatever. And the dad's, you know, kind of gives you a look and he goes, well, uh, if he wants to talk to you, then I guess he wants to talk to you. And okay. he returns to the kitchen to return to his cup of coffee. Okay. I Then I proceed. Okay. So you go upstairs and he is sitting at the edge of his bed and his desk chair is you know, open for you to take a seat in. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you say to this boy? So, uh, so, uh, Mr. Trevor, I don't know how much you've heard of my uh, introduction to your parents. Um, so I'm with the FBI. I, and, and I, and part of my job is investigating things like this, especially things like this with as much as you think a lot of the stuff might be crazy or not real. Honestly, I've, probably seen stuff pretty similar so Um, wherever you want to start whatever you want to say i'm here to listen 
you know, whatever happened. He um, turns to you and he says, "Hi, I, I, I saw it. It, um, it, it took, it took, it took both of them. The, um, God, um, our friend Derek, he was the, the first. Um, I watched it." rip him in half Mm -hmm. and Jeffrey um well I didn't watch him I you know that saying you don't have to outrun the bear you just have to outrun your friend yeah um well I outran Jeffrey and, you know, he, again, he's very soft-spoken, very quiet. He yeah. is clearly still shaken up, and it's been three days. He, you know, has been sort of avoiding your eye, you know, contact for a while. Yeah. And he kind of very slowly makes eye contact with you, and he says, This, I used to think that monsters weren't real, but this thing is no, no horror movie could ever ever compared to what this thing is and he slowly points over to his computer yeah uh which is sitting on his desk kind of like behind you at this point um on his screen he has done a little bit of research to try and figure out what it is and as you turn to look at it and start to look at the different pieces you start to put two and two together uh and you, you know, start to kind of come to the realization of what this thing is. Mm-hmm. And as we see that sort of math kind of turning in your head, we cut away. Um, Noctis, it is dark outside. Um, this is normally the time that you would do your cooking hour. Um, you know, it's late. You You sort of watch as the last person leaves the kitchen the lights you know turn off so uh what do you do how what is how do you normally break in is i i would assume that it's different with every kitchen um but i will let you sort of dictate how this one goes so what what's your what's your style what's your steez if you will uh it's different with every kitchen but i found that in this one they leave a an exhaust fan in one of the windows around by the by the back entrance to the kitchen where they get deliveries and stuff like that. Um, so I can just slide the window open and take the exhaust fan out and crawl through where that is and then put it back when I leave. That's pretty smart and pretty cool. <laughs> when you said that, both Michael and I went, oh. Um, so you have, have done so. Um, the... The, the thought of, you know, this, this thing that you have seen earlier sort of uh, fades into the back of your mind, right? You know, it, it, you barely saw it. You weren't really sure what you saw, but it, it didn't see you. And again, as someone who is just sort of still finding their way through this world, um, you're not really sure of what to make of it, I guess. Yeah, I don't really know what's abnormal or not, so... Sure, sure. So you uh, start to cook. And so I think you told me but I have forgotten, forgive me, what is the recipe that you are going to attempt this evening? Um, 
Last time I cooked Bastille, and this time I am going to do um, a goat cheese panna cotta with a bacon maple glaze to go with greens and fresh figs. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh man. That sounds so good. Okay. Because I saw they got a delivery of fresh figs, so I wanted to do something with those. Oh, okay. So, you know, is this something where... Uh, well, sorry, here's here's a here's a good question. Where do you find your recipes? Um, I When I first started breaking into kitchens, I found recipes in the kitchens for the, that they were using. And then when I figured out that recipes were a thing, I stole some cookbooks from bookstores. Nice. Okay. Um, okay. So you are, so is this one from one of those books or is this something that was in the location? Um, this is from one what, of those books. Okay. Uh, you begin to, to do your nightly cook craft, um, you know, and you're, you're, you're doing your thing. And how loud would you say that you usually are? Like, are you usually pretty quiet to avoid detection or is it just sort of like, well, I'm here to cook. I'm going to cook. Um, I'm usually pretty quiet and I can see in the dark, so I don't need to turn any lights on. Okay. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Perfect. Um, okay. So you're, you're cooking up a storm. Um, and, um, you hear behind you. Oh, sorry. Actually, real quick. Sorry. Can you remind me what is your, um, your weaponry situation like? Um, I have the red right hand, which is a magic weapon that replaces my unarmed attack. Um, and that's a plus three harm. And then I have a sledgehammer and a big sword. Okay. At this point, you definitely already have the red right hand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, we have yet to find the sledgehammer and big sword because I'm assuming that, you know, that's kind of hard to carry around. Yeah. Um, and so I will get you one of those in a bit. Um, (laughs) but you are cooking. Um, when you hear someone screaming at the top of their lungs, um, from the front of the, uh, little, not hotel. What did I say this was? A, it's not an it's a ski resort. Ski resort. Thank you. I was like, what is that word? So you hear it kind of near the front of the resort, someone screaming, um, and someone is banging on the front door to the resort. Uh, what do you do? Um, I leave the kitchen and I sort of walk through the resort to look and see who it is. Uh, I've definitely kind of figured out that humans don't really like me, so I don't want to, you know, um, anybody to know that I've been in there, but I'm curious. So I still go and look who's at the door. Sure. Um, so you, uh, are kind of slowly approaching the front door and you can hear someone screaming for help. Um, and someone going, Hey, let me in, man. They're going to get me, man. Oh, no. Oh, dude, this is so totally not righteous. Please. Oh, my God. Teddy, are you inside? Please, for the love of God, man. Come let me in. Um, and uh, he's banging away at that door. Um, and suddenly... There's a brief pause in his crying, and he goes, Wait, 
What are you? Oh no, dude, like no. And at the top of his lungs, as he screams, no, he is cut short and he is making no more sound. And you hear sort of a scuffle outside of the door. Um, there is uh, no sign of this gentleman anymore. Uh, you are kind of in the middle of the foyer there, basically, kind of like halfway between um, the, the door that leads into the kitchen and the door to the front of the uh, resort. What do you do here? Um, is there any way that I can look out at where the front is there like a window or a peephole nearby the front door? Uh, yes, yeah, there are, there are a couple windows. So you slowly make your way to one of those windows, right? As you approach, uh, there are... Actually, well, you know what? This would be a good time to do an investigate a mystery roll. Um, that is... What is that? That's sh- uh, plus sharp. So go ahead and yeah. roll that plus sharp. So I rolled an eight, but I have a minus one on sharp, so it's a seven. Okay, so you got to hold one. So there's one question here that you can ask, which is what happened here? What sort of creature is it? What can it do? What can hurt it? Where did it go? What was it going to do? And what is being concealed here? Uh, what's happening here? Okay, um, so what you see is uh, is two things. So the first thing is that as you're approaching the door, you can see that there is a small pool of blood that is now um, starting to creep under the door. When you get to the doorway there, or to the window way, um, you can see as a shadow sort of takes off, kind of in like into the dark around the corner. But what you see is something that is truly horrifying and honestly quite disgusting. The man that was there, uh, well, all that is left of him is his head. His body is completely gone. And his head is there in a face that is just pure panic. And it is left within that pool that is slowly seeping in. However, one of the weird things is is, is that you don't see any sign of anything trailing through the blood. Like no footprints or anything like that. So something definitely took that body, but somehow got away clean with it. Or at least, uh, at least directly in front of the door. Um, if you go outside into the snow, you might be able to find more. But from where you're standing, that is that is all that you can see of what happened here. But something very quickly and very efficiently removed this man's head from his body. And now we cut to Mikhail. Um, you have been slowly working your way down the little mountain there. And you reach the... Bless you. Um, you reach the little snow town at uh, the top of the hill. And it is the secondary part of Grace Falls. And it is eerily quiet for a bit. You're sort of standing there, and most of the lights are out in the town. Um, The gondolier is, uh, it looks like it's been turned off for the evening. There are very few times where you are, have dealt with this much quiet. Even where you're from, right? Where there's vast lands of just nothing. And you're used to being in the snow with nothing. But... You hear nothing, right? There's, like, not a single step, not a single bit of falling snow. Like, you can't even hear that hitting the ground cautiously. And then, before you can move, you hear, um, from your right, uh, a man screaming. 
and he comes running through and he comes between a couple cabins and he doesn't see you and he makes his way down a couple doors to the front door to the resort. So basically we are now seeing the same scene but from the other side. And he is crying out uh, for someone to let him in. What do you do? I'm going to try to run after him Mm -hmm. and try to see what's going on. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Do a... Can you roll 2d6 and add cool to for me? We're going to do an act under pressure here. All right. So I have no cool. I rolled a five. Ooh, yikes. That's okay. Bad. Let's see. I've got to give you something bad here. Okay. So here's what happens. Um, you are kind of running up to the man to try and figure out what happens. Um, when you trip and you fall <laughs> in the snow, right? Um, and in that little scuffle there... Uh, your sword somehow comes undone and it kind of skitters across the snow a little bit and seeps in to the snow. It is a silvery item in the middle of a very silvery-looking ground. Um, You are basically currently unarmed. All you have left is your knife. You are currently sitting face down in the snow, um, and there is a man screaming for help when you hear... uh, a sound unlike something you've ever heard before. And it comes in, and as you pick your head up, you see a creature just just hideous. It is extremely tall. It is gangly. It's just... I mean, it looks almost like it, if a giant skeleton barely had like saram wrap essentially on it right like it is just barely more than bones um but again it's also freakishly tall and um and by freakishly freakishly tall i mean like it's like seven foot maybe seven foot five kind of thing like it's not like a giant Mm -hmm. but it's definitely larger than your normal normal man or woman um and you watch as this thing uh rips this dude's head off and takes the body with it and leaps kind of off of the door- doorway there and around the corner. But if things didn't seem bad enough there, as you start to stand up and see that, there's a second one. And it turns at your movement and sees you and it shrieks loudly. You have just drawn unwanted attention. Um, You are, again, unarmed except for your knife. You've drawn unwanted attention. And you're standing there in the snow, basically with nowhere to go. Uh, Noctis. Yes. You are uh, still standing at that doorway, right? The blood is kind of creeping in. Um, And that is when... You look back out the window and you see this uh, large man uh, kind of looks a lot like Daniel Craig, even in the moonlight. Uh, And he's running and he trips and suddenly there's a sword that goes flying out of his arms or out of his hand. um, And he is on the ground. Um, And then there's another creature. You see it as well now. Um, This is 
something unlike you've ever seen because there's not much that you have seen. <laughs> um, but something feels odd to you, right? You know, as someone who has been summoned to bring up bring about the apocalypse, this is a creature that you have a I don't know how to describe this. Almost like an understanding of. Not that you know what it is, but like there's a moment where when you see it, you can sort of feel for lack of a better term, it's energy. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that, like, if this is D&D, you can feel that, you know, chaotic, evil energy Alignment. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can feel that about it. And you know that that's what you are supposed to be, but that's not what you are. Um, so there is a a moment of understanding somehow between you and this creature, even though it does not yet know you are there. So I'm going to kind of give you a few options here. I'll ask you what you want to do. But first, I'm going to go ahead and describe to you your surroundings, um, just so you kind of fully know everything before you make your decision. So one more time, outside there is a creature um, that is staring down at this man and has not shrieked, but it is definitely making a sound, um, and it is kind of hunching down. It's sort of in a prowling mode, um, and this man is kind of freak, freak, uh, not freaking... He's um, frantically uh, looking in the snow for the weapon that you just saw him drop. Now, around you in this little foyer um, is the kind of like front desk where people check in. There is a fireplace that has very little bit of a fire left in it, which is technically dangerous. You should never leave a fire unattended, even if it is within a fireplace. Um, But it gives a soft glow throughout this room. Um, and you can see a few different things. Uh, there's a few different things that could be made into makeshift weapons, as well as one item in the room that could be a weapon, uh, if you were to pick it up. Um, and so that is something that I will kind of let you dictate a little bit as to, uh, how you want to go about figuring out a weapon situation. I mean, I could tell you what all those items are, or if you want to just sort of improv it, you know, feel the play in the space, if you will. Um, but uh, you are sort of in a little bit of a, well, here it is, the first time I'm saying it in this arc, you are now kind of in bullet time, and you have to make a decision. What do you do? Um, I think I grab a fireplace poker. Is there a fireplace poker? There is. Okay, I grab a fireplace poker, and I open the door, and I try to get to his sword to hand it to him, because he's not at all looking in the right place. Okay, perfect. Okay, so let's do, what do you think makes more sense, a act under pressure or a help out? I guess they're both plus cool, so. Yeah, probably help out, Okay. because I'm trying uh, to get so- him his sword. Perfect. So why don't we go ahead and roll that? Uh, That is an eight and I'm zero cool. So it's just an eight. Okay. Um, Your help grants them plus one to their roll, but also you expose yourself to trouble or danger. Okay. So you get him his weapon. Uh, Mikhail, you are now armed again. Uh, And you, I'm just going to go ahead and say that you're now standing up as well. However, uh, your movement... Um, has attracted 
the ire of this creature. So it's no longer looking directly at him. He, uh, the, the creature has now turned its attention to you. Um, and this time it does shriek and it makes a sound and it, uh, you know, it was sort of in that prowling mode, right? And now it is sort of pulling itself back as if it's about to leap. And then we cut away. Um, Vera, let's see. So you are with this creature and, um, he, he very quickly moves you. Um, from where you are, you're sort of, let's say about a quarter of the way up the mountain at this point. Um, and, uh, for the last hour, basically you have now been rushing up this mountain, which sucks because you're running up a mountain basically. And it's snowy, it's steep. Um, and you're kind of falling behind and he quickly kind of turns around, sees that and hops down and sort of throws you onto his back, right? A little bit like, uh, if you've seen the new Pokemon games, right? It's like when you get to ride one of the larger Pokemon, right? Have you not seen this? No. No? Okay. And the Let's I, Go I, Pikachu I'm with you, stuff. Colin. I'm with you. I'm with you. <clears throat> Thank you. And Let's Go Pikachu, you can ride things like a Snorlax yeah. and stuff like that, which is the best one of all because you just basically hang on to him for dear life. He's not even <laughs> holding you. It's amazing. Anyway, so, you know, you're just sort of on his back and he's uh, sort of rushing up this hill and you have come to realize that he's not running on two legs. He's running on all four. Kind of the way that you run up the steps when you're a kid, you know, because you turn off the light and you're afraid that something's going to get you if you, you know, if you don't rush up. He's doing that and he's going fast. Um, and you're sort of holding on. And what's interesting is, is that you feel like you hear something very softly when you're sort of like when your arms are sort of wrapped around him. Um as he's running you hear almost like it's very soft it almost sounds like a little motor is running right like it's not like there's almost like a very soft vibration coming from this from this person's like body basically right like you feel this like weird sensation from him he's like almost emanating an energy but he's also just sort of naturally like buzzing for lack of a better term and that is when uh, you come to a clearing and uh, you're almost at the top of the hill and he stops and he says to you once again, okay, one more time it is time to not move. In just a moment, we are going to pop over the top of this little hill. We do not want to attract attention to us. So, uh, we must move quickly. Um, and he sort of pokes both of your heads sort of over the ledge a little bit. And he points at the creature. And you see a, this creature, right? And it is currently uh, standing on top of the roof of a building. And it is hunched down, and it is looking at two people. You see, as uh, as one figure helps another one up and hands it a sword of all things, which you know you see as it gets caught in the in the moonlight. And then 
it uh, begins to kind of prowl around them and you realize that it's about to attack. We cut one more time to Buck Harrison as he's looking over the notes that this student has sort of poured over and has done a lot of research. Yes. And he just sort of slowly kind of comes up behind you a little bit and says, that's, um, that's exactly what I, what I, what I saw. Um, it, uh, it's, it's a pretty haunting thing. I know that you might not believe me, but I've never seen anything quite like this. Buck, we sort of do that thing where like the camera is uh, sort of at the back of the of the computer, yeah. and it slowly rises up to see the glow of his screen kind of like washing over your face. Yeah. You're glancing at all the notes and everything like that. You're even looking down at his notepad that's next to you that has a clear sketch of this creature. Obviously, you've seen some things, but there are some things that you did think you never would see because some things really are just so outrageous that how could this ever actually be a real thing? But sure enough, this kid has a pretty solid case. Yeah. The picture is exactly what it is always described as. And he has taken copious notes and he's brought up like at least 45 tabs on his Google Chrome uh, page. Um, one of which he does quickly shut off real quick and says, oh, sorry, that one's not, that's a different, yeah, uh, that's it, a different Buck turns research, away for like a second. Yeah, close it, whatever you gotta do. It's fine, it's fine. And the kid's like, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're, you're, sorry. Good, you're good, don't uh, worry, you're good, you're good. And he's like, please, please, please don't tell my mom. Um, and <laughs> And so that's when you look at it. And we do one of those cinematic shots where it's kind of the screen splits into three separate views. And we see a clear um, close up of Mikhail as he looks up at this creature and it dawns on him what he is standing in front of. We also see the creature and person, sorry, the thing that is with Naomi, not, oh my God. We also see <laughs> one, one more again. Sorry. Here we go. We also see Vera sitting on the back of this creature. And for the first time, we see this creature's face illuminated. And it is, again, something that you almost wouldn't expect. But we see his face very clearly as he points to the creature that is looking at Mikhail, which Mikhail is also looking back at. And the third angle is of Buck's face. And at the same time, we all hear them come to the realization or statement of what this creature is. And that is a Wendigo.
I'm James. And I'm Erin. And we are unabashedly obsessed with a lot of things. Which is why we named our podcast Unabashedly Obsessed. On our show, we talk about things related to pop culture. And not-so-pop culture. That's true. Like, for instance, obscure 1980s horror movies that involve time travel. And whatever the newest TV show we're excited about is that involves time travel. We are not a time travel podcast. You can find us on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Unabashedly Obsessed. Not a time travel podcast. <laughs>